seven years. In the midst of a long winter, I think most people could use a little good news. In the middle of COVID, I think everybody could use some good news. So we're going to start and end the sermon with some good news. Seven years. That's how long we've been working with Lutheran Social Services on turning the Genesis House into the Aspen Center, and it has finally happened. Good news. To give you a little background on that, if, if you don't recognize the names, Genesis House is the long-standing LSS program for residential adult, adult male uh, drug and alcohol recovery programs. And it, it's been located in, in downtown Waukesha for years and years and years, and it's always been too small uh, for privacy, for group sessions, and especially too small to accommodate men and women. And it's one of the few places that provides affordable, faith-based uh, counseling in Waukesha County, uh, residential counseling for people in recovery in Waukesha County. So seven years ago, LSS and, and we as their partners started working on finding a different spot. And a lot of you have written letters to local officials and you've gone to, to hearings because everybody wants recovery uh, uh, programs, but they don't want them in their own backyard. So zoning was an issue everywhere they looked. And, and finally, they renovated the offices of LSS itself on Blue Mound Road, just west of Sam's Club on the north side of the road. And, and Aspen Center is, is what has resulted. In other words, modern, well-equipped uh, facilities for residential treatment for men and women who are in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. It is an awesome thing, and it has finally happened. Good news, yay, after seven years. So we'll celebrate that a little bit. Uh, Muriel and I were able to go to the virtual ribbon cutting on Thursday evening, and there are already people uh, both working and living in that facility. Cool. We'll come to some other good news at the end. First, we should talk about today's first lesson from the Apostle Paul, um, words of advice that he shares with the Christian believers living in Corinth. It's kind of amazing to me that this particular reading comes up now in our three-year cycle of readings. Because when you think about the world we're living in right now and all of the public debates about masks or not masks or being in person or not being in person in all sorts of different venues, it's a constant conflict, right, uh, between uh, people's individual rights and preferences and our collective and communal uh, rights and obligations and responsibilities. And, and we struggle with that greatly. Uh, the thing is, that's not a new struggle. It's exactly what was happening in Corinth 2,000 years ago. And Paul's guidance is really wise and meaningful and worth listening to. And the thing is, Paul doesn't even make it up. He pulls it from his own Jewish tradition that, that goes back at least another 1,000 years. So let's talk about what Paul said to the Corinthians. And let me give you a little context. So the, I think the context you need is that in the Roman world of the first century A.D., uh, polytheism was still the norm religiously. So that meant in a large city like Corinth, there'd be a bunch of temples. And you'd go to the temple of the, of the right god to make a sacrificial offering of thanks or uh, to uh, uh, receive a favor from that particular god. Uh, and so people would offer a goat or a lamb or if it was a really big thing like a bull or a cow. Now think about that a little bit. Uh, Temples back then, just like now, it cost money to build them and to maintain them, and there were priests who were occupied as a part of that. All of that somehow had to be supported. 
The other thing you should think about is we always think of like these animals being offered on an altar and burned up. Think that through. If somebody like puts a bull on an altar, uh, how long do you think it's going to take to like burn that whole thing up? I mean, that's actually not what they did. What they would do is they would slaughter the animals and they would take a choice cut and they would burn that on the altar and it was thought that the fragrance was pleasing to the god. But the rest of the meat was butchered and it was sold in markets and where do you think the money went? It went to support the maintenance of the temple and everything else that happened within it. It was a way of monetizing the offering that was sacrificed in the temple. So that meant all these temples were run in their own meat markets, and that's where most people got their meat, and that's where the problem comes in, because Paul and the Corinthians are in correspondence, and Paul apparently at some point had told the Corinthians that, that maybe they shouldn't buy that meat offered to idols, because it might cause others to observe them and think, oh, those Christians, they, they actually are idol worshipers. But the Corinthians wrote Paul back and said, well, but we have knowledge, and part of our knowledge is that the gods don't exist, and therefore we also have Christian liberty, and if we know they don't exist, then we should be able to eat the meat offered to the idols. Makes sense, right? A classic argument of the individual rights versus the collective obligation. What does Paul say back to them? What Paul says back to them is, uh, you're right, there aren't idols, we know that, what you eat doesn't actually matter. But if what you eat causes someone else to be confused or causes someone to believe uh, wrongly to their harm, then don't eat the meat. And he said for himself, I'm, I'm never going to eat meat uh, offered to idols if there's even a chance that it's going to cause spiritual harm to somebody else. And that becomes a defining ethic for us as uh, Jesus' people. Uh, in other words, it, it isn't just our own liberty or knowledge. It is always our attentiveness to the needs of others and that, in fact, they take sacrificial priority, which is a hard thing to kind of swallow in a culture that really constantly reinforces our individual liberties and decisions. To love your neighbor as yourself is frequently to put them ahead of yourself. This, by the way, remember in our scriptural tradition is not a new or unusual thing. You can go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 4 when Cain kills his brother Abel, what does God say to him? Where's your brother? To which Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And the resounding point of the story is, yeah, we are our brother and sister's keeper. Now, the modern mind would say, well, if, if you're trying to apply that to all of our COVID debates at the moment, I mean, how do you know exactly what's best for your neighbor? Is, is isolation a bad thing for them if everybody stays home? Or is exposure to the disease if everybody comes out a bad thing, which is, which is the competing thing? And, and see, that's, that's the point. Uh, it, it's still something that the people of God have to pray about and wrestle with and think through. But still, the prevailing ethic is a pretty important one to follow, which is ultimately what we might do for ourselves is usually not necessarily what we could do for everybody else. And protecting our neighbor, helping our neighbor, guiding our neighbor is the ethic to live by. One of the things I have so appreciated 
in our, what is it, 10 and a half months of COVID at this point, is that actually I think this congregation gets that really, really well. Um, we have been uh, not inside our buildings. We have been inside our buildings. We've been in neighbor yards. We've been in the backyard at church. We're in the parking lots at church all the time. In other words, we have, have worked to be together in different ways and have tried things and stopped things and tried things. And that's hard. I know that's hard. But people have been super, I think, prayerful about that. People have been super patient about it. And, and we will continue to do our best to watch out for our neighbors as ourselves. And we will just pray that we are much closer to the end of all of this than we are to the beginning. Which gets me to one last uh, really cool piece of good news. So a lot of you know that one of our other partners is the Bread of Healing Clinic in Milwaukee. And they serve uh, people on the near north side of Milwaukee. Uh, uh, working people who live, who do essential jobs, but really low-paying jobs in nursing homes, in restaurants, um, in, in food service and, and grocery stores. And, and so those people have kept working through all of this, but a lot of them have also, also gotten sick through all of this. So one of the cool things that this congregation did was, was make sure there was enough money at Bread of Healing so that they could purchase one of the special refrigeration units that doesn't have to be super cold, but it has to be electronically monitored 24-7. Uh, that's part of how you maintain uh, the, the vaccines. And, and so we were able to provide that for them, and they now are giving vaccines uh, to patients uh, from the clinic for people in that neighborhood, a life-giving gift. Meanwhile, another household in our congregation uh, gave a cool contribution that allows us to take the first step to also acquiring pneumonia vaccines. Uh, the interesting thing about that is, is of all of the major drug companies, I'll just drop a name, uh, Merck, which is a name I think a lot of you know, uh, by far has the easiest patient assistance programs. And, and their setup for something like the pneumonia vaccine is if you can just pay for the first round of doses, then they keep a continual chain going um, for other patients in the future. Uh, but it takes kind of an upfront investment and, and a member household at this congregation made that possible. These are life-giving, simple, important things that require some sacrifice, but they are for the good of our neighbors. This is what the people of God need to be about, right? Love of neighbor as ourself. And when we are true to that, we don't always get it right. But every once in a while, you know what it is, people of God. It's really good news. Done.